Merry Christmas. This is a special episode of the Still Becoming podcast. I'm releasing it during an off week. The Still Becoming podcast is normally released every other week, but this time I wanted to release an episode during Christmas week. So lean back and listen, have a cup of spice cider or coffee, maybe have a Christmas cookie and learn a few things about three women from Christmas that you might not have known before. Hi there, friends. Welcome to the Still Becoming Podcast, a place where women like you and me find help to move from where you are to where you want to be. I'm your host, Laura Acuna. The Still Becoming Podcast is where we gather to rethink our thinking about ourselves, our lives, and about our God. We will learn to reframe our shame and trade in limiting beliefs for the liberating truth from God's Word. And why the title Still Becoming? Because that's the Christian journey, isn't it? As we apply God's perfect Word to our lives for growth and change, we are always growing, always learning, and still becoming the women He created us to be. It's never perfect, and it's not too late. Do I need to say that again? It is never perfect, and it is not too late. I am so glad you're here for the journey, and I'm praying that God will speak directly to you through today's episode. Are you ready? Let's go. Well, as this episode is released today, we are right smack in the middle of Advent, and very soon we'll be celebrating Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Now, some of you have grown up celebrating Advent and some of you have not, but it's simply the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. The definition of Advent is the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And the word adventure, from the title of this message, A Beautiful Adventure, shares the same Latin root word with Advent. And the Latin word is adventurous, although it's spelt with a U-S instead of an O-U-R-S at the end. And the meaning of that Greek root word, adventurous, is a thing about to happen. So the thing that's about to happen is the birth of the most notable person to have ever been born in human history. We're remembering the most significant event ever. It's a time for us to set aside as we prepare our hearts and our souls and our minds to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ the Savior of the world. If you've never set aside time during Advent before, I encourage you to do so even right here at the end. It's a special time and it's important to kind of step away from the hustle and bustle and remember the reason for the season. But before I go any farther, I I really feel compelled to say this. I know very well that a lot of you are not feeling the joy and the anticipation as you wait for Christmas to arrive. I've been where you are. I know how it feels to be dreading the day because of losses, because of disappointments, because of broken relationships, because there's someone who's not going to be sitting in your living room this year opening up gifts with you. I know. I know. Some of you are sharing custody with children, and that's so difficult. There are so many scenarios that I can imagine in my mind that would cause a person to look toward Christmas with dread. But I want to say this to you really clearly, and it's been my experience. Joy and deep sadness can coexist together in the same soul and mind and heart when you stay close to the joy giver 
Because joy is not dependent on your circumstances. Joy is dependent on who is with you in your circumstances. And that's the person we're celebrating Christmas Day. So you may not be able to celebrate Christmas this year, but you can quietly and meaningfully celebrate the one who is in it with you and whose birthday signifies the most notable birth of a human being in history. I'm truly sorry. I have, as I said, I've been there. And I hope today brings a little Christmas joy into your heart and soul and a deeper understanding of how much you are seen and loved by God. And so in today's episode, I'm going to share with you the stories of three women from the Christmas story in Luke 1 and 2, Elizabeth, Mary, and Anna. You may be familiar with all of them, or you may not be. But regardless, I hope you learn a few things today, no matter how well-versed you are or not with the Christmas narrative. We're going to put ourselves in their places and imagine what their lives must have really been like. Not one-dimensional characters. You know, we tend to think of them as these characters in a story. But the truth is, these women were real. They're real, just like us. These three women span the various ages of womanhood, just like we do. Mary was a young teen and engaged to be married to Joseph. Elizabeth was in her late middle age, around 55 to 60, and married to Zachariah for a long time. Anna was in her mid-80s. Some scholars even think she was 100 years old. She was widowed for a long, long time and was well in the later years of her life. And all three women, right in the stage of life they were in, said yes to God and went on a beautiful adventure. And let me say a word about beautiful. Our culture's definition of beautiful It's not the same as God's. God's view of beautiful is a life of faithfulness and devotion to God over the long haul. 1 Samuel 6, 7 says, The Lord doesn't look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And that's true. That's true. His idea of beautiful is devotion and faithfulness over the long haul. So back to Elizabeth, Mary, and Anna. These women have several things in common. But I'm going to concentrate today on the fact that their life didn't turn out the way they thought it would, like so many of us, and yet they remained faithful, not knowing how long they'd have to wait and wait or what the outcome would be. And in their wait, we can see how God grew and prepared them for what was coming. So my question for you is, are you waiting on God right now? Is there something that you've been praying for that hasn't yet come to fruition? Maybe you've been waiting so long that you're even questioning if there is a God. And even if there is one, does he even care? Well, if that's you, hang in with me. I'm really glad you're here and you're listening today. Now, through Elizabeth, Mary, and Anna's stories, we're going to understand that waiting time isn't wasted time. In fact, there's quite a bit going on inside of us as God has us in the waiting room. Waiting and remaining faithful, trusting God, which is active, by the way. Prayer, scripture, applying his word to our lives, living by it, etc. This is how we grow. In the waiting room, we learn to trust God. And as we do, our trust muscle gets stronger. We talk a lot about our trust muscle on this podcast because we learn more about him. That trust muscle gets stronger and then we become resilient. We become able to be faithful, even in confusion and disappointment. And when we've been waiting for something for a very, very long time, it's never perfect. But these three women had the choice to say yes to God, and so do we. And the truth is, if they had not said yes, girls, 
they would have never seen or experienced what God had for them. And it would have affected generations and generations to come. I mean, think about it. Their decision to say no would have affected us 2,000 years later today. Do you know that the choices that you make and that I make will affect future generations in our family? So between the time of the Old and New Testaments being written, the Jewish people waited 400 years for the Lord to bring his Messiah. Micah was the last prophet, but not the only one who told the Jewish people the Messiah would come. And then there was silence for 400 years. No burning bush, no angels, no prophets. But God was still working on Israel's behalf. Just because God is silent doesn't mean he's not working. Someone needs to hear that today. Just because God is silent doesn't mean he's not working. For those who remained faithful, their wait was not passive. I'm going to say that a few times during our episode today. They remained obedient and passed their faith on to their children and their children's children. They were the faithful remnant. But make no mistake, they waited for a long time. Walking this road of faith was a big assignment, and they stayed faithful. Galatians 4.4 But when the right time came, the time God decided on, he sent his son, born of a woman, born as a Jew. And so, after 400 years, the right time had finally come, and that's where we begin the Christmas story. And I'm going to begin with Elizabeth. The first woman we're going to look at and observe is Elizabeth. Her name means God's oath or God's promise. She was married to Zechariah, who was a priest, and they were a holy and devout couple. Here's what the scriptures tell us about them in Luke 1, 6-7. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Scriptures say they were righteous upright, virtuous, keeping the commands of God, and he calls them blameless. Why? Well, in those days, if a woman was childless, it was her fault, and she must have some hidden sin. God, in his deep kindness, goes out of his way to tell us that they didn't do anything wrong. This couple waited years for the child they longed for, and now it all looked impossible. A priest in the temple, Zechariah, also waited years to have his turn to burn the incense. This was chosen by Lot, and God's timing, again, always perfect. The right time had come for that, too. Back to Luke 1.8. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, All the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. The angel tells him his son will be the one who will prepare the way for the Messiah. The son becomes John the Baptist. Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news. 
And now you will be silent and not able to speak until this day happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant. And for five months, she remained in seclusion. All this time, she was waiting for God to answer her prayer for a child. Her response, Luke 1, 25. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. And again, beloved sister, do you need to hear that? That God will take away your disgrace too. All through the pages of the New Testament, Jesus has encounters with women. And in every situation, he takes away her disgrace. He restores her dignity. He sets her on her feet and gives her a sense of belonging. The woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, Mary Magdalene, the woman who is bleeding, and so on, and so on. Jesus loves his daughters. Now, what was the wait really like for Elizabeth? What did her disgrace look like? Desperation, ridicule, sadness, loneliness, and judgment. And she must have done what we would do, what many of you have done. She would have done everything humanly possible to become pregnant. And then Elizabeth's did what it's hard for us to do. Because she was so close to God, because she was so faithful, she did what she could, and she left the results to him. In Elizabeth's yes, we learn about patience. And again, not passive waiting, active, participating, recommitting ourselves every minute, fully engaged, patient waiting. How hard it must have been to keep saying yes, even when she passed through the childbearing years and must have thought the answer was no. And here's the thing. Even when she thought God was saying no, Elizabeth still said yes. We'll return to Elizabeth in a minute, but now we're going to move on to Mary. Mary's name means cherished or beloved of the Lord. We know she was. Mary was 12 or 14 years old when she appears in scripture. She was a virgin and was betrothed to a young man named Joseph. Her story begins in Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. The angel gives Mary some details, but not all of them. But he does tell Mary about Elizabeth. Verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Nothing is impossible with God. Again, do you need to hear that? Nothing 
is impossible with God. Mary said to him, I am the Lord's servant and I am willing to do whatever he wants. May everything you said come true. That moment began a long wait for Mary. She was waiting for God's story to unfold. She didn't know how it was going to happen. She had no idea. She wasn't given many details. So the second way that we can grow during our wait is trust. Our trust muscle needs exercising. Mary had to wait too, and she had to trust him, believe me. Like Elizabeth, have you ever stopped and really thought about what her life was like? I mean, really like, will anybody believe me? My parents, my family, my friends, the rabbis, Joseph. And if they don't believe me, what will they do to me? Stoning was a real thing for girls who were caught pregnant outside of marriage and breaking the relationship of engagement. There were very, very real and dire consequences for someone in Mary's situation. So the question boiled down to one thing for Mary, and it does for us too. Can I trust God to work out every possible problem I encounter if I say yes? Her decision was to say yes to God's plan and to trust Him with the consequences. She literally trusted God with her life. She had no idea how this yes would play out. But here's what happened. She was widowed when Jesus was a little over 12 years old. She was probably 26 years old at the most. She waited a long time for Jesus's ministry to be revealed and to begin. He was in his early 30s. The apostle John tells us in John 7, 5, Not even his brothers believed in him. What was that like for Mary? She endured his turbulent ministry years, the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion, and his death, all without her husband by her side. She must have asked God so many times, why does your plan have to unfold like this? Have you ever asked that question of God? Lord, why does your plan have to unfold like this? Saying yes to God is always the right thing to do but sometimes it's the hardest thing to do. Unlike Mary, we want to know all the possible outcomes before we agree to say yes. And when we focus on our fear and the what ifs, when we don't trust him, our fear becomes magnified. We ruminate. I'm a world-class worrier, an awfulizer, ruminator. Instead, we need to shift our eyes off the fear and onto God. And when we do that, he's magnified instead of all of our what ifs. It's not easy. It's not perfect, but it's something worth growing into. Luke 139, Mary visits Elizabeth. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of our Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. It was a love fest between two women who completely got each other. And you know how much we love that. There isn't anything like being with a friend who gets us, especially when we're confused and a little worried. Do you know 
that he always goes before us. Always, always, always. He sends people and he creates circumstances before we even get there. He's so faithful and he's so good. And he prepares us for his plan. Elizabeth had the maturity at that point in her life to not be jealous of Mary. Elizabeth had to wait so long. Mary didn't. Elizabeth became the mother of the one who prepared the way for the Messiah, but not the Messiah. But because of her maturity, and again, because she was so faithful, she was so committed to God, she was able to celebrate what was happening to her younger cousin. If only we had eyes to see. Then Mary praises and magnifies God. Her song, the Magnificat, or Mary's song, is a beautiful mosaic of dozens of Old Testament scriptures that Mary memorized, designed to announce that God has kept his promise to Israel to bring the Messiah. Mary knew the promises of scripture. She was part of the faithful remnant. Jewish girls were not allowed in school. Someone passed the scriptures on to her, and she was ready when the miracle came. The faithful remnant again passed the faith and the holy scriptures on from generation to generation to generation. And then we have Mary's song, the Magnificat, in Luke 1, 46 to 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Mary said yes. And with that, she returns to Nazareth stronger and more prepared for the life that was ahead of her. An angel visits Joseph, and because he too was faithful, he knew the prophecies of the prophets. He knew his scripture. His eyes and his heart could see the fulfillment of the prophecy, and he said yes as well. And Mary's beautiful but difficult adventure was just beginning. Hey friends, as you know, my life coaching practice was launched last summer and it is growing. God is so good. I'm accepting new one-on-one -on -one coaching clients for 2024 and I'm really happy to announce, I know some of you have waited a long time, I will be beginning still becoming small group coaching for women who struggle with body image and the dieting mindset in January 2024. Now, while one-on-one -on -one coaching is for any woman who's at a place in her life where she feels stuck and needs some clarity on what's next, still becoming small group coaching is specifically for women who struggle with body image and the dieting mindset. So go to www.laura-acuna.com, click on the coaching tab, and you'll see a form there to fill out to schedule a free discovery call with me where I can answer all your questions and give you all the info you need. I would love to work with you. Let's make 2024 a year of movement, of clarity, and of hope as we step into the plan God has for our lives. It isn't over and it's not too late. I'd love to help you discover your true self, the one God created you to be.
Mary and Joseph travel to Bethlehem for a census, and the baby is born in a manger. The shepherds, angels, and wise men visit, and on the eighth day of his life, we meet Anna. Her name means favor or grace. Luke 2.21 On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Jesus is then presented in the temple to be consecrated. And while he's there, with his mother and father, an elderly gentleman named Simeon comes upon them. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Simeon, too, is part of the faithful remnant. He recognized the fulfillment of the prophecy when he saw it. And now, Anna. Verse 36. There was also a prophetess named Anna. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Through Anna's story, we can learn to worship as we wait. You know, worship is not four songs before a sermon. Worship is a way of life. It is the act of thanking and glorifying God before we ever ask Him for anything. And what was her wait really like? Well, she was widowed after only seven years of marriage, and she was in her 80s. There is no mention of children. We know that widowed women were in desperate straits in those days if they didn't have a brother-in-law to marry her off to or a family to take her in. Prostitution, utter poverty, desperation was the future for widows. Now, the scripture says Anna never left the temple. And it's possible that Anna was given a place to live at the temple because of her designation as a prophetess. Or she may have lived nearby. But one thing is for sure, what truly stands out is her constant devotion to God for all of her life. That is beautiful. That's a beautiful adventure. Prayers in the temple were constantly being said for the Messiah to come. Anna wasn't the first person to prophesy over Jesus. But if we think chronologically, she's the first person in the Bible to officially be called a prophet since the death of the last Old Testament prophet, Malachi, some four centuries before and she's the only prophetess in the New Testament. One commentator said this, and I love it. Anna turned her loneliness into a loneness with God. I love that perspective. Anna said, yes, Lord, even though my life has not turned out the way I hoped it would, I'm going to stay with you. I'm going to keep on with you, God. Girls, worship puts us in the right position with God. It leads us to thankfulness. It strengthens us and gives us peace, particularly in confusion, and when we're waiting. It keeps the main thing the main thing. And when we're thankful, we keep our fear and worry about what's to come in perspective. It also moves us into the right posture to see the blessing when it comes. 
I wonder how many blessings have I missed focusing on what I didn't have instead of looking forward to what God was going to do next. Anna recognized him. She was part of the faithful remnant. And because of her yes in her lifetime, she was able to see the fruition of 400 years of prayer right before her eyes. And then she told everyone within the sound of her voice, listen, don't you ever believe God stops using you when you're in your later years? That is not true. It's simply a matter of saying yes, like Anna did. I'm sticking with you. I know you still have things for me to do for you. And until you take me home, I'm staying with you, Lord. The truth is, is that each woman from our story had a choice on how they're going to live their life through the seasons of disappointment, pain, and confusion. They couldn't choose what happened to them, and neither can we. But they could choose their reaction to it, and we can too. You know, I started this episode with the observation that I know many of you are dreading Christmas, and I know some of you, many of you also, are waiting for God to come through. You're waiting for a long-time answered prayer. You're waiting to hear from Him when He's been silent. You're waiting for God to move. And my question as we end is, can you, after hearing the stories of these three women, remember, these women were placed in God's book for us. As an example, can you accept his great love for you? Maybe you can't feel it right now, but here's the thing. Like Mary, when we're faced with an overwhelming situation, we don't go on what we feel. We go on what we know. And we know that the scriptures say we are loved. And the knowledge of that can keep us stable and faithful as we trust him while we wait. Eugene Peterson calls it long obedience in the right direction. That's beautiful. Can you believe in faith that he's growing you during this time and there are valuable things, precious wisdom, and areas of growth that you can't obtain any other way? And so no matter your age or stage or whatever season you're in, the question today is, will you say yes to God? And here's the thing. There is no shortcut to a relationship with God that can be described as faithful. It's long obedience in the right direction. It takes investment, commitment, and a true desire to be a follower, not just an admirer of Jesus Christ. I'm telling the truth here. Many of us look at Jesus and we say, gosh, he's awesome. You know, he loves everyone. He's a friend of sinners. But we forget that he is the Lord of the universe. He is the great I am. He was there before the beginning of the world. He is the word. And he's coming back again for his faithful remnant, his followers, those who took a long walk of obedience in the right direction. Remember, our definition of beautiful is different than his. Parts of our journey are not necessarily beautiful by anybody's standards, but the result of a life lived faithfully loving God, loving people, trusting his perfect will, and living as a follower of Jesus Christ is beautiful. It's not too late. It's not too late. Staying faithful through difficult experiences is truly beautiful. In the remaining time during Advent, can you carve out some time to strengthen your trust muscle, practice patience, trust, and worship? You will have a much more peaceful and meaningful Christmas even if it's hard, and you will have developed what Romans 12 too calls a transformed mind. 
Let me pray for us. Lord, we come to you with all our life's joys and blessings. We thank you for them, Lord, because you gave them to us. You're the joy giver. But we also come to you today with our problems, our heartaches, and our fears. Life on this planet is so hard, God. But we know from your word and the examples of these three women of Christmas that if we surrender, you will teach us many, many things. And our life, with all its imperfections, will be a beautiful adventure. You know us, Lord, even if we don't know you. You know every cell in our bodies and count every hair on our head. You see us and you call us beautiful names. I pray for any woman listening who doesn't know you, Lord. Please make her aware that she's here today because you ordained it. Each one of us has been pursued by you, God, and now it's her turn. May she say yes to you and your beautiful, beautiful adventure. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Well, friends, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening in to this special Christmas episode of the Still Becoming podcast. Hope it was a blessing to you. Now, don't forget to share this episode with anyone who you think might need a little boost in their Christmas spirit. And don't forget to check the show notes because I've included all of the scriptures included in this episode. May God bless you and keep you until we meet again. I'll see you next time on the Still Becoming podcast. Merry Christmas.